Welcome to When I Was on My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. All right, everyone, welcome to When I Was On My Mission, and I have a treat for you today. I'm interviewing my good friend, David Kramer. He, We made great friends um, in Chicago when we were doing a master's program together, um, and he has a fantastic missionary story that he wants to share with us. So David, welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? It's good to see you again. Good to see you too. Um, and I always start this podcast off with, with a couple of questions. So first question for you is, where did you serve your mission? Yeah, so I served in the uh, Oslo-Norway mission. There's just one mission, though, in Norway. So Very cool. And did you speak a foreign language? Yep, Norwegian. Awesome. Well, with that, David, I am excited to hear your story. So why don't, why don't you just jump right into it? Yeah, sure. So in Norway, we spent a lot of time uh, working with refugees. Uh, Norway has a pretty like liberal refugee policy, but they also have like uh, a strategy of how they're going to assimilate refugees. And part of the strategy okay. is they spread them out all over the country, right? Like, so they probably all want to live in Oslo, but like they send them to these small villages above the Arctic Circle so that they'll assimilate. Or that's the goal anyway. So we were out contacting and we met this guy who was from Saudi Arabia and he was a refugee because he, according to him, he'd... Um, insulted a local prince in, in, in Saudi. As it goes. Yeah. Yes. It, I mean, he had this long convoluted story about how he was like dating the prince's sister and he was on the <laughs> pro soccer team and the soccer team lost and the sister. Anyway, I, I, I didn't follow the whole story, but it ended up becoming a refugee. It's a tale as, as old as time, David. We've, we've all heard the, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the, awesome. the Capulets and the um did he did he speak norwegian or did he speak english how did you talk to him so he had kind of broken norwegian and broken english but the english was better so we mostly spoke to him in english very cool Um, and my companion at the time was uh british norwegian so his his dad was norwegian his mom was english and um so it was kind of the british guy and the, the american guy and he's like yeah sure here's my number here's my address come see me um so I don't know if it's a day or two later, we went to the address he gave us um, and it was in this big apartment building and it looked like, like some, some other kind of building that had been converted into apartments for, for refugees. And we got to the door and um, we went in and it was a glass door to his apartment. Like it had a bunch of glass panels and they'd all been kicked out, just broken. Oh, okay. And the door was like a foot ajar, like, you know, kind of like in the wind. So a little creepy. Okay. We were like, I can't remember the guy's name. Let's call him Salman. I was like, Salman, hey, are you here? <laughs> and we kind of <laughs> opened the door and it was just like destroyed. It was like it was like a crime scene in a movie. Like someone had taken oh, a wow. knife and cut open the 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 couch cushions. Um like everything he owned was just strewn around the place. Um yeah, like you know, like lamps broken, lampshade off, you know window you know you know the curtain blowing in the wind um and my companion's kind of like or or i said to my companion like maybe we should go (laughs) like maybe we should get out of here and he's like nah let's take a look around (laughs) so we go in and uh he's just lying on the couch uh in the midst of just like all this destruction 
right? And like the the cushions are off. He's just lying on like the couch with no cushions. Um, and we're like, hey, is it is it still a good time? Uh, is it still a good time for us, you know, to talk about our church or whatever? And he's like, what is what does it look like? No, it's not a good time. Um, but but we sat down anyway and talked to him for a while. And um, <laughs> Wait, you you talked to him anyway. Awesome. Yeah, you know, that. you know, he he wasn't like get out. You know, um, okay. we sat sat down and talked to him for a while and kind of got the story out of it. it turns out that he was um. He was pretty deep in a drug addiction and he owed a lot of people some money. And um, I knew very little about, you know, drugs at this point in my life. Um, But do you know more now, David? I know more now, yes. Uh, (laughs) Not from personal experience, but uh, for for unfortunate reasons. But um, what he told us then was that he was a heroin addict, but that if you cut heroin with fentanyl, you get a much uh, more powerful high, right? Right. And there was only a few people in Norway, apparently, who had prescriptions for fentanyl um, at the time. I mean, I have no idea. Uh, this is what he was telling us. But um, somehow he managed to get a prescription for fentanyl. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, someone else who knew the pharmacist or whatever had leaked this list. And so basically, one by one, everyone who had a prescription of fentanyl was getting like their apartment broken into. This is oh. a story. I don't, I don't know if it's true. Um, and... So uh, we said, you know, what can we do to help? And he said, well, I haven't eaten in three or four days. <laughs> and so my companion were like, well, that's something we could do. So we turned around and we went out to the grocery store just around the corner. We bought him, you know, some eggs and a loaf of bread and jam and whatever else. I can't remember. A bunch of stuff. Brought it back and my companion cooked him like six eggs and made some <laughs> toast. Uh, and he sat down and ate them. Um, and... We said, hey, what else can we do for you? And he said, "I, you know, look at this place. Can you help me clean up? And we said, yeah. So, again, we went back to the same grocery store. And we bought a bunch of cleaning supplies and gloves. And we cleaned up his whole place. Uh, we got a bunch of trash cans we, or trash bags, threw, like, a ton of stuff away. Um, and, like, I was kind of like, hey, do you want us to, like, be careful of stuff? He's like, no, just throw everything away. Like, it's all ruined, whatever. So, like... I came across a stack of pornographic magazines and I was like, oh, well, these are getting thrown away. You know, I came, ac- <laughs> came across some, you know, questionable objects that were used for, you know, in, in conjunction with the, the uh, pornographic Very magazines. Yeah. I was like, Very I'll throw these away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, came across a little baggie full of white powder. I'm like, gonna throw this away. Um, <laughs> so cleaned up the whole place. And then he said, the other thing that would really help is if you could give me a haircut. And I was like, Okay, so we went home and we got the clippers because haircuts in Norway were like yeah. $60, uh, which at the time for us was like a major portion of our, our monthly food budget that yes. we had to save for haircuts. So we were cutting each other's hair at this time. And my companion gave him a haircut. Um, and at the end of this, um, you know, sitting on his couch that we repaired as best we could, his house was clean, he was fed, his hair was cut. And he's like, okay, now now I'm ready. And now I'm ready to hear what you have to say. And... Um, my companion had brought a um, Arabic Book of Mormon, and we'd, we'd worked with enough refugees that like we knew how to find scriptures in Arabic. Like I knew, okay. I could read the the book names like Alma Nephi, whatever, in Arabic, and I could do the numerals. So we went to Alma thirty six, and my companion read him a story about you know, Alma the younger being in the depths of despair and feeling like you know was crushed basically by the agony of hell. Um, we read that whole story and we stopped right in the middle of it. Um, and this guy saw me, he looked at me, he goes, this is exactly how I feel right now. 
Okay. Wow. Crushed by the by the power of hell. And then we read the rest, you know, about how he cries out and he says, Jesus, you know, save me. Um, Alma does. Um, and we testified and we're just like, this is the answer, man. This is, this is, this is how you get out of where, of this place where you're in, this dark place you're in. And he looked at us and he said, you know, I'm a Muslim and I, you know, I've been told my whole life that Jesus is a great prophet and everything. But, you know, in this moment, I feel like you're right, like that I should be a Christian. Um, and, you know, we, we taught him a couple more times and then he just totally disappeared off the mm-hmm. radar. We didn't, we didn't, we, you know, I have no idea what happened to him, what, what became of him, if he, uh, got in more trouble or if he got things straightened out. But, um, about, uh, a week or two weeks later, the mission president came down and I'd been feeling really bad for like two weeks because I'd like thrown away or, this guy's no, no, because I'd thrown away his drugs and I was thinking, what if he needed that? Like, what if he was yeah. going to like go into withdrawal or like, what if it was worth a lot of money or what it was going <laughs> to cause trouble? And I'd been feeling like really guilty, like for throwing them away. And I told my companion, like, I don't know if that was the right choice. And he was like, don't be an idiot. Like, like we were helping this guy out. You did your best in the moment. And so I said, president, I really need to talk to you. And said, okay. <laughs> I'm like alone. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I need to confess something. The president was like, what is it? Elder Kramer. And I was like, I think I threw away this man's heroin. <laughs> and, and President Polson, bless his heart, is from like Logan, Utah. He goes, Elder, I think we're done here. And he clapped me on the <laughs> shoulder and we walked out of the room. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is awesome. Wait, so I'm thinking <laughs> the list was you, you bought this guy food. You fed him. So hungry. And you took me in. Did you buy him clothes? No, I didn't buy him any clothes. I guess didn't buy him any clothes, but cleaned up his cleaned up his apartment, gave him a haircut. You're you're kind of checking the list of of uh, those kind of famous uh, famous admonitions. Ad, yeah, admonition from Jesus and in, in uh, yeah, and it was very much my companion. who's was this guy from England. He was very had a very pragmatic approach to missionary work and to the gospel. And his take was like, listen. Like you can't, no one's going to be able to listen to you and, and connect with your message if their physical needs aren't taken care of first. And he was very yeah. focused on that uh, and developing a relationship with someone before you tried to teach them of, of, of establishing a genuine connection. That was, that was his approach. It was, it was the right approach for sure. Well, that is awesome. And that's a, that is a super highlight. I, I love that story. You know, just actually being able to do service for someone in need. Um, yeah. What an incredible story. Thanks for telling it to us, David. For sure. So let me ask you uh, just just two questions here. So I want you to think back to uh, when you were when you first got your mission call in the mail and you're opening it up. Maybe your family's around. Maybe you're on the phone, uh, and you read down and and you see that you're called to to Oslo, Norway. Were you excited about that? Oh, I was pumped. I was super pumped. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to go somewhere overseas. Sounded exotic. That, I mean, when I filled out my mission papers, though. The one thing I was thinking to myself is I hate the cold. I really hate the cold. And I thought to myself, should I write on my mission papers? Like, please don't send me somewhere cold. And I thought, no, if I write that, they'll do it. They'll be like, oh, he needs to learn from this experience. So I didn't. But then, you know, they called me to Norway anyway, which was, of course, freezing. And then the second question for you was, was it worth it to serve a mission? Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's one of the one of the happiest times of my life. I look back on it with total joy and fondness and kind of the the advice that i give 
kids or whoever's thinking about going on a mission is there's a lot of people that tell you about how hard it is. And that's true. It's hard. Like there are definitely some real lows and difficult moments, but like nobody talks enough about how fun it is. Just like being out there with your friends, these kids your age, you're doing something you care about. You know you're doing the right thing every minute of the day. You don't really have a lot of responsibilities. Like you don't have kids or a job or a mortgage or whatever. You're just out there doing what you know is right all day uh, and getting in all sorts of adventures. Uh, so it's incredibly fun. Definitely recommend. Well, I couldn't agree more, David. Thanks again. Love the story. Thanks for joining us today. For sure. All right. We'll see you later. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. Now go on, get yeah.